every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, everybody. It's Tuesday, November 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern, and it is our first live show on Cap City Beats internet streaming radio station. I got Pep in the house. We'll get the names on the screen in a second. Hey, Pep, we're live, bud. (laughs) Hey, I'm excited, man. We've been talking about this for two months, and a big shout-out to Dave Barbier and Kwame, who uh, set this all up. I mean, Dave Barbier was the middleman, and he thought we would be uh, uh, a nice addition to the schedule. So shout out to him. And, uh, of course, uh, the CEO of Cap City Beats, I guess, is the official title. So thanks for uh, giving us an opportunity. We've been doing our podcast for, what now, Brock, a year and a half? Yeah, about that, which time flies. Yeah, so we've been doing the podcast, and we've been sort of uh, ironing out the kinks there, and uh, this is exciting for us, so we're glad to be part of the schedule. And uh, Brock Fleming, if you guys don't know Brock Fleming, you know, uh, all-Canadian left tackle. Yeah, that's where the money is. Left tackle, that's where the money is. That's where, that's where my blind side is. And, uh, you know, played the uh, University of Colgate, uh, you know, top recruit, Great, uh, great high school player in the region. Myers Riders, two of them, not mistaken. I mean, Brock's been everywhere. He currently coaches, and he runs uh, the Canadian Football Institute as well as Football Forward. So he's doing a lot, bringing just giving back to the community that uh, he's so proud of. And uh, you know, I'm lucky to have him as a buddy, but also as a podcast partner. And myself, I, you know, I'm a, just a sports fanatic. Uh, my history is in coaching, and uh, I work in uh, health and wellness. So that's my background, but. I'm a bit of a fanatic. I think that's pretty much that might be an understatement. Well, that was really nice. We were we didn't plan that. That was a great little yeah. intro. I guess people, yeah, there's new listeners out there. They don't really know who we are. Yeah. Um, you know, they can go back and listen to our old podcast and get more of a, a feel of who we are. But um, thanks for that. That was nice. Hey, listen, no problem. All right. Um, hey, let's get on with the show. Uh, this episode is actually brought to you by <laughs> Ken Trip Real Estate. Are you looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate? Whether you're new or experienced, you can put your trust in Kentrip Real Estate. Thank you, Ken, for sponsoring this episode. And again, I've I've known Ken forever. We uh, grew up in the same area too. So if you are looking for any realtor advice, any anything in terms of real estate, reach out to him, and he'll uh, he'll give you a hand. So uh, again, thanks, Ken, and uh, yeah, sponsor this uh, this episode. Ken's a great guy. Actually, I've known I've known Ken uh, for a while too. A friend of the friend of the Ferrer family. That's how I connected right. with him, and uh, always a really nice guy, always helpful. Actually, we played touch football one season together, and uh, <laughs> he was the really? quarterback. He actually pretty good. Yeah, he was a, he was our quarterback. But uh, thanks, Ken. Yeah, and, no uh, yeah, yeah, great. I'm sure you know. I've see I see some of his uh, ads on uh, Instagram. Actually, I think he's on YouTube too, and obviously Facebook for uh, for Ken uh, Trip Real Estate. So um, yeah, I see awesome. him on bus stops and stuff like that. It's funny driving through town and seeing people you know who are in real in real estate. And like their pictures on bus stop benches and billboards here and there. And anyway, hey, that's us. That's us soon. Hey, yeah. Who knows? Hey, speaking of uh, speaking of, we're we're branded. This was the original logo that my buddy made for us. And these blocks found lots of homes. My buddy made me a desk, and he had some extra wood, so he etched uh, our uh, original logo, which was sort of unofficial. 
Mm-hmm. And then that grew into like, and I'm being cheesy here, but that grew into like Mason jar stickers. Um, yeah, we got uh, Basically, we anything you can put a sticker on. It's yeah. Branded now, but this uh, coaster, uh, our hats that we're wearing, I'm wearing a UC, UC shirt here. Brock's got his, uh, that's yeah. the roadcaster. There's a hat. Yeah, I mean, hats here. Actually, if, uh, if we throw up mega city sports promotions, uh, again, this is not a, a, a straight, hour of plugging gear and stuff like that from a <laughs> UC standpoint. But people are asking, uh, Mega City Sports Promotions, the guy Steve in Barhaven, uh, you actually email him, sales at megacitiespromotions.com, uh, and he can make you whatever you want. So this is a mock-up. He's got T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, yeah. all different kind of hats and stuff. You pick your color, pick your size, uh, pick your it's style, nice whatever photo. it is, and, and he'll do it. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's popping. It. And he's adjusted a couple of things to make it really pop in terms of hats and stuff too. So anyway, yada, yada, we got, uh, we got, we got options. Yeah. All right. Uh, on a, on a completely other level. And, uh, you know, I hate to, I hate to, uh, change the tone of the podcast here, but, uh, I want to give out, send out my condolences to our personal friends, uh, Nicole and Marcus Cosmos, uh, their father, Mark, Cosmos, you know, uh, famous for uh, Ottawa Rough Riders, uh, two-time great, Cup, a four-time Great Cup champion, two-time, uh, two times with Ottawa in '73 and '76. Uh, passed away at 75, I believe, this past week. And uh, my mm-hmm. deepest condolences go out to the Cosmos family. Um, you know, Mark had Mark played physical, like he was a linebacker, and he was a, you know, six foot two thirty. And, you know, certainly what we know, and we're going to touch a little bit about equipment and things of that nature later on in the podcast in a different sport. But, you know, we talk about safety in football, you know, the 70s and 80s in the CFL and NFL was was rugged. You know, it was rugged. And uh, he was uh, he was a good dude, good man, uh, co-founder of Local Heroes, which I believe still exists on Merivale. Yeah. Um, that's our locale for our basketball uh, league where we go and drink and eat there after after games. So well, you and I both worked there, did we not? Local we heroes on Marcus. Bell's Corners. Yeah, Marcus, and he taught he, he taught treated us well, and uh, you know he was a nice guy. And Nicole Nicole has actually helped me out with some charities I've uh, organized over the last couple of years in terms of uh, securing a venue. And um, nice. yeah, just what can I say? Um, Actually, her her kids go to my kids' school, so I see her around. I didn't, I didn't, I haven't talked to her because I don't think she recognized me or, or remember me from working the, back then. But yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, I'll uh, our condolences for sure because it's for uh, sure it's a great family and it's a it's a sad loss. Yeah. Anyway, tough to move on from that, but we're gonna. And uh, I think I think we're gonna queue up some headlines to get her going. There's some stuff we want to talk about, so let's queue up the headlines. <laughs> Headlines with Brock and Pep. I'm telling you, you guys, are, these, these, the people listening love these transitions. They got to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we got to, we have to shout out our, well, we should do this now because they're, they're super important to our show. We have a director. Like, so that, that little transition didn't come from us. We have a director behind the scenes 
Brock, you, you feel free to introduce him, actually. Yeah. Hey, this is uh, for those who are podcast listeners and our podcast listener. You've heard him on the show before talking about Jays, played baseball together. It's actually my brother-in-law. Um, but yeah, he's a director, producer. Mike Pena is behind the scenes right now running the show so that I don't have to worry about the tech side of things and doing the transitions. And I can also watch the chat and the purpose of the chat that we have internally is that we actually, we make jokes about it during our other recordings, that we need a fact checker. Because <laughs> oftentimes, we'll say something that is completely wrong, and we need somebody to call us on it. And luckily, today, we have my brother, Curtis Fleming, who's in the back, uh, in the green room, listening to what we say, and he will let us know if we are wrong. So between those two guys, um, it's, you know, hopefully we're running a lot smoother this time and, and it wouldn't happen without them. So we thank them in the back of the, from behind the scenes. And, uh, at some point they'll show their faces. I'm sure. Hey, you look super relaxed. I know you always look pretty relaxed, but you look <laughs> ultra relaxed, not having to worry about the buttons and the transitioning. So thank you boys. I really appreciate it. Um, completely off topic. Heinz is, uh, the, the Heinz factory is moving back to Canada. So you can go out and purchase Heinz ketchup. I know everyone made the switch to French's because of it's that true. sort of. Well, Heinz is moving back to Canada. I think that for just solely from a jobs perspective, uh, there's better opportunity in Canada for that company. So uh, I don't know what that means for Heinz Field. But if you look behind me, the Brock created that little image behind me. That's Heinz Field. Um, I've been there. And just to the right of the, uh, the Pepsi Cola is Mount Washington. Um, Nice. It's just unbelievable. It's a beautiful city. So thanks for creating that, Brock. And behind Brock, you could probably explain this a little bit better. Yeah, well, this is yeah. this is my side of the field. And when <laughs> I think of a field and where I want to be, it's in uh, in Florida, in Gainesville, Florida, at Ben Hill yeah. Griffith Stadium, um, where the Gators play. So I was able to create a, like a little half and half, make Pierre feel comfortable at the same time, <laughs> satisfying my my blue and orange. Fantastic. There's no uh, cool mountains behind, though. I got no geography for you at this point. <laughs> I'm sure there's something behind those fireworks back there. Okay, headlines. Dustin Johnson won the Masters. He crushed the course record. Uh, I think he shot, what, 20, 20 under? Yeah, 20 under. 20 under. The course record was 18 under. By uh, it was, I think it was held by two, play, two players, yeah, Tiger Jordan and uh, Jordan Spieth. Yeah. Tiger, that's right. Um, did you watch? Yeah, it's the Masters. And actually, I'm kind of getting into golf to a point for when you're watching it, it's still Sunday's kind of the day you watch. So tiger being sort of out of it comes Sunday that, you know, makes people not watch as much. If tiger's yeah. in the hunt, the, the ratings go through the roof, oh, um, for sure. but definitely watched it. I mean, the course looked beautiful, uh, you know, and the, and the players that are, that are playing are, are awesome. You guys, you're watching guys like, well, DJ who won it is playing great. But then the other appeal is, is the guys like, a. um, uh, DeChambeau, the guy's driving like off the tee, something like 380 yards yeah. on average. Like he's just, he's crushing the ball. Some of them mm -hmm. over 400, which is long drive competition type thing. So if you watch, I don't know, you watch um, Instagram videos, TikTok videos, you see guys at the driving range and they are just, they're teeing up like they're Mike Trout trying to go in the home run derby. Oh yeah. And they're hitting it straight and it's going for This guy's doing it on a, on the highest stage you can get. So when he's at a par five and he hits a bomb and then he's a nine, a nine iron, which is maybe a hundred and for him, maybe 160 yards away from the green. Um, the course is going to start to adapt to that. But anyway, it's, it's sure. fun to watch and to, and to definitely see uh, those guys that are uh, bombing the ball like that. 
It's a, it's a neat generation coming up. I mean, uh, I grew up in the like high school through the nineties and then college to the nineties and Tiger Woods was a young man. And, you know, we Tiger Woods golf for, for EA sports, the Genesis and the, the PlayStation. I mean, I follow Tiger to this day. I still think people will watch any, any uh, tournament that Tiger's involved in. It's pretty wild, but you know, these guys, all these young guys, Spieth and uh, Johnson and, and obviously the, um, the, the guy that you just mentioned, uh, that's clubbing it. What's his name again? DeChambeau. DeChambeau, yeah. I mean, those guys are, are young and they're exciting. And if, you know, if you're a young golf's pretty, pretty great sport for young people. They're getting involved in golf. Uh, but it's a far cry from like <laughs> I grew up with Vijay Singh and Greg Norman and even Jack Nicholas was still uh, competitive towards the end. Freddie Couples. So, you know, it's a far cry. But I want to mention this. I don't want to spend all day on golf, but um, in terms of equipment, is golf on par with a sport like hockey where the clubs are so good? They're so light. They, dr- they generate so much power, a lot much like a hockey stick. Um, are these players benefiting from that? Does it benefit them or hurt them in terms of control, accuracy, all that kind of stuff? What do you think? I mean, you're, you're, you're always looking for new clubs. You're always shopping for new clubs. So what do you think about the equipment in golf? Uh, well, the equipment itself is, you know, it's just, it's otherworldly the way it's come from where guys like Ben Hogan were hitting yeah. back in the day with the, Arnold Palmer. You know, those, it's just, it's unreal. And I, I'd be curious to see how those old guys old guys, the guys from other generations do with today's technology. So there's, there's a bit of a difference between hockey and golf. The technology uh, I think almost plays more to advantage from a golf standpoint. The other thing too, from golf, everybody thinks, you know, your clubs and the clubs, this and that, what's the one piece of equipment you use on every single shot? Uh, It's the ball. Ball. Yeah. Okay. The ball and the technology that's gone into these golf balls from, 20, 30 years ago is insane. So you have a golf ball that's tailored to your strengths. You have golf clubs, the fitting of golf clubs in general, regardless if you're a big swinger or not, if it's fitted to your swing, it's a huge advantage. I mean, the guys are from an athlete standpoint, they're, I wouldn't say bigger, but they're usually stronger. They're taking their health a little bit more seriously. Gone are the days of John Daly, as much as I'd love to see him still on the course and in a professional standpoint, because he brought some interest to it. Um, But these guys are stronger. They're more flexible. They're hitting the ball further. Their swing speeds are crazy. Um, But the thing you got to remember too, is that golf courses are also adapting and changing. So when you get like a golf course, like a, a master's, you got a guy breaking it at a minus 20. If that trend continues, that master's course is going to change and adjust to be more difficult in order to bring those scores back down. There's no point of having a course. Nobody wants to go to a course and everybody's shooting minus 20, minus 25. They want to be challenged. It's got to kind of keep in that range. So the courses yeah. themselves are also changing at the same time. So it's, it's different from hockey and golf, but from a technology standpoint, I think golf is, is definitely um, – changed even more so than hockey oh yeah and, and generally and just to put a to, to wrap this one segment up the I, for sure you know when i think about uh nutrition has changed nutrition in the last 15 years has changed the athlete alone let alone the conditioning and the uh the year-round training and the, you know it it's it really is dynamic and golf for sure uh has benefited from all these all these improvements so uh, moving on uh, the cfl Randy Ambrosi is the commissioner who I really like. Uh, he came out today and said uh, there's a schedule in the near future. 
which is good. A, a schedule for 2021. 2020 is done. They're not, there's no chance of anything happening in 2020. They're moving on to 2021. He seems optimistic, um, but there's no concrete plan. Like there's no, are they going to have a bubble city? Like they, you know, they discussed Winnipeg. Winnipeg was going to be a bubble city this year. It fell through money, whatever. There's probably a million reasons it fell through, but it fell through. So Solomon Aluminium is the uh, linebacker for the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He's also the CFL PA president. And he's, uh, angry is a strong word. I think he's disappointed that they've had all this time to sort of, they knew this season wasn't going to happen a long time ago. They've had all this time and they haven't given the players anything concrete in terms of a plan. Um, so they're disappointed, I think is the word he used today in, in their re- response to Randy Ambrosi. Now, uh, if you're a player and, you know, you certainly, as if you're a good CFL player, you can make some good money. But now these guys, I don't think they're getting paid. No, who would be paying them? They look for the thirty million dollar relief fund from the government. They didn't get it. So what? So what do you what, like? How are these players holding up? Are they getting side jobs or like what are they? What are they doing to make ends meet? This is again, this isn't the NFL. This is the CFL. The, con- the contracts, the money's a little bit more modest. You know, what's your take on how? Are, how are these guys living? How are they handling it? One, it's way more modest overall, um, and. The majority of CFL players have secondary jobs or employment anyway. So what's happening is that they're going to full-time basis on those. Some of them have careers that are, are progressing at the same uh, uh, speed that their professional football career was. You know, guys like um, you know Jason Kralt, who I grew up with, and, and he walked me through my first couple of contracts, did it right. And I always tell any kid that I coach or that's going in the CFL, hey, if you can get a situation like this, do it where Jay was in the military. So a little bit different, but his military career never stopped because he played football. It continued on. So as soon as football was over or maybe even his responsibilities would diminish a little bit during the season, they would understand it. Then after he would continue so that, that his career kept going. So when he was done football, his career was still on track and he was, he was falling through. And you're seeing a lot of guys now probably, put things into perspective to say, you know what, it's probably time to give up the dream or it's time to think of what's next. If they're a journeyman or if they're somebody who's making league minimum or just over, you know, at what point do you say, I got to get into uh, something a bit more long-term? Yeah. It's a year salary. I mean, the CFL, I would feel no confidence. So when you say that they're mad, I think that's more, I almost want to say that they're they're scared that this league may not survive what's going on and they want to see a plan. I get it. Everybody wants to see that. But I think it's just the only thing missing is that there's no money. Who's going to pay for all that stuff? That's, you can have a it. bubble in Winnipeg, but the TV rights themselves are not going to pay for it. There's no fans, so there's no income coming in. These companies are not able to fund it. The, the ownership is not going to be able to flip that bill. I just don't think that it makes business sense for them to do it, and that's the reason that they're not doing it. And here in Ottawa, I mean, if you're a listener that's, uh, that doesn't live in Ottawa, uh, you know, Ottawa has a Lansdowne Live development, which is uh, the area that surrounds our field, our home field. And they're, they're in trouble. Financially, they're in trouble. They've asked the city for a buyout, uh, bailout, buyout, bailout, I guess bailout. it's called. Um, and there's, you know, whether that happens or not, we don't know. I don't, I, we don't know what that means for our local team. And I don't know what, what my favorite team is Saskatchewan. I'm an Ottawa born and raised, but I'm, I'm a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan. And they took a they took a hit this year. They were supposed to host the Grey Cup. Their building is practically brand new. the the uh, the The game plan to repay the building 
was, you know, certainly the Grey Cup was going to be a big generator in terms of paying back the uh, the building. And that's not that didn't happen. So, I mean, Saskatchewan alone is having a hard time with with this whole situation financially. And they're they're one of the more successful teams in the CFL. So that's concerning. Anyway, uh, we'll wait to hear more from the CFL. They've been pretty hush hush so far, but I'm looking. I love I'm a CFL fan. I'm a huge CFL fan. Uh, going to games in Ottawa has been a wonderful experience the last four or five years. I've sort of reintroduced myself to the Red Blacks, and it's just a good time. It's just a good time. So, uh, we'll have not- some more CFL uh, opinions as we go with a couple of our guests coming on, too, that might have a bit more insight as well. And exactly. Have their finger on the pulse a little bit closer, too. And exactly. also, you know, gauge reactions from actual players who are waiting to find out what's going on with their, yep. their professional lives. So, anyway, that'll be coming up. Moving on. Toronto Blue Jays looking to make some noise after a really, really good season. And we talked on our podcast about how Rogers Communication might be the only ownership group that actually benefited from COVID. Um, you know, it's been a wonderful uh, year. The 60-game sprint was awesome to watch. All things considered, how, you know, COVID-affected players and certain teams had uh, outbreaks and all that. The Jays did well, really well. And... They may have made. They may have either broken even or made money, considering how well Rogers Communication has done. So they've got money to spend. Uh, the name that keeps coming up consistently, other than some uh, some pitchers, some you know retreads, uh, has been George Springer. You know, uh, center Astros. fielder, Houston Astros, great center fielder, World Series champ. Uh, they they're in love with this kid, and I I'm I mean th- clearly. The outfield has been an issue defensively for them. You know, they're, they've got T. Oscar, they've got Guriel, they got Grichik. So who's the odd man out if they sign, if they pick up a guy like Springer? Who's the odd man out? The obvious, I have an obvious one, but Hernandez. it may not be so obvious. Hernandez would be the, yeah. is the so, odd man out. From a fielding perspective, there, there was a, there's, well, countless. There was a good amount of plays that I'm still annoyed by the effort level and the cognitive function of an outfielder of where they are in the game that Hernandez wasn't able to do. So to me, he's the obvious choice. I would have to agree, but I think, you know, if they're thinking about making some trades as well as bringing in a UFA, Guriel might be the odd man out. Guriel, I think can, can bring a a pretty decent return, a starting pitcher, uh, maybe a couple of pitchers, uh, you know, a, a position player. I think Guriel, uh, can bring back the most because he's the youngest. But in terms of pure defense, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's Teoscar. But where do you put him? You've already got Rowdy. You've got Vladdy. You've got Travis Shaw, I think, is still on the roster. I, I, I hope not for long. But uh, what do we do with that, the DH spot? I mean, you can't DH everybody. So if you move Teo out of the outfield, are you just going to rotate him in and DH him on days off? Like, I mean, there's got to be – it's an issue there. So – if they have a plan to bring in Springer, I'm thinking there'll be like a residual effect. Uh, one, someone, so. someone will go. So that's the thing me. is, it's there's so many like injuries. You know what I mean? Guys go down, and yeah. if you try and say, you know what, we got our our nine guys, you know, eight, I guess, without a pitcher because they'll rotate, and you say these are our guys. Let's upgrade those, but we sacrifice some depth. Um, you know, that may not be the best way of going. So depending on finances and whatever, yeah, Guriel could probably uh, attract a bit more interest from a trade market. But yeah. at the same time, you know, how that's only four guys. You know what I mean? Get rid of the some of the other dead weight like Shaw and stuff and 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 figure out a way to keep them. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, I, I, my hope is they keep all three outfielders. And if they do bring a guy, bring in a guy like Springer, you know, he, he plops in his center field and uh, you figure out a rotation or you, or you, you get creative with your DH, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Do we know Springer's contract arrangements? Like, if we get Springer, do you know how long we would gonna, get him for? It's going to be big money. It's going to be big money. It's okay, be so it would just four, be a whole new yeah. contract. It's not like a one and done. No, he's a UFA. Here. Okay, yeah, good. So, I mean, it'll be big money, but uh, he'll be worth every penny. I mean, the guy hits. He hits all over the field. He's got a little bit of power, a speed. He's a gold glover. I mean, he's pr- exactly what they need. I mean, at the beginning of last year, what do we talk about in terms of the Jays' needs? Yeah, the center fielder, center fielder, third base, and first base. So, you know, anyways, let's see what happens. I think they're, they're going to start making some moves. It's been a slow start to, uh, to uh, free agency in baseball. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and the last headline we have is, uh, I, I, was, I didn't even know they were doing this. I didn't even know Adidas was going to do this. But Adidas uh, launched the reverse retro. Yeah, what uh, does reverse retro mean? Reverse retro means new. It's like a it's like a combination of their current jersey with uh with the retro feel. Uh, unless you're the Avalanche, which is all they did was really keep their colors. But um, do we have do we have a picture of that of the of we the- have your best. So you had okay. while we were talking about this. Let's yes. just say why don't you give us your best and then we'll put up your best of what you've said. Well, or I, you want to start worst? Well, I, no, I'll start best. I mean, I, I loved. I'm not because of, not because I'm a Sens fan because I'm not, but I really like the Sens red one. It's it's sleek. It is exactly what they wear, but just a red color. I liked. Uh, I gave a plus grades to the Sens Devils. Devils are beautiful. Avalanche, uh, who are now who are wearing the Quebec Nordique, but just an burgundy color. All right, Mike. Can you <laughs> throw these up? Yeah, while he's saying this so that we can see them. Yeah, and then I had the uh, the last one was the Whalers, which is the the Carolina Hurricanes franchise. Um, I also really liked uh, the LA Kings. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs kind of grew on me av- av- after a couple of days. I don't know. I hated it at first, but then when you when you stare at it, it kind of it kind of just sort of draw it draws you. And I love the Coyotes look. I love that drunk Coyote. It is so cool. With the with the the uh, what you call the cactuses at the bottom and the sun and the, I I just look Phoenix that howling thing you got going on now get rid of it it's beautiful and of course the Habs is beautiful look at the Habs look at them all right I disagree okay. the Leafs one is horrible the what was horrible about one, it it's horrible I don't even like the 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 logo on it the logo is the only thing I have uh, that I complain about the logo is awful but I don't like it does that bring it's, you back to Wendell Clark and Alan Bester and those guys look at it Alan Bester. Uh, what was the other guy? Lee, uh, Rick Vive? No, Lehman? Lehman? Gary Lehman. Gary Lehman? (laughs) (laughs) The Phoenix one is garbage. The Phoenix one, the best best part of the Phoenix one is that it's purple and orange. So it brings me back to the Phoenix Suns kind of thing. Otherwise, trash it. You look like a roller (laughs) hockey team. Uh, the other ones I don't mind. The other ones I don't mind. Um, yeah, the Minnesota Wild. Did you have that one on there? I I had. Anyway, the Kings on there. Um, otherwise I like it. So you gave three teams complete fails. Yes. Uh, but do we want to put that up there? Does we, do we have that? Yeah, we have that. Okay. Let's put it up there. We have, <laughs> okay. We have the Buffalo Sabres on the far left here. Uh, wow. I, well, actually, no, the color scheme's nice. I just, the, the two Sabres, I, I, it, it just, they just, it just fails. It doesn't work for me. Like it, you may stick with the same logo and you got that Royal blue. It's sharp. The Detroit Red Wings, it, that looks like a, that looks like a Christmas sweater. 
It's awful. It's just a it's just a regular sweater like from the it. Gap. You really there's no but there's no piping. It's yeah. I, and I like course, it. It's so yeah. plain, and it's just the 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 Red Wing logo that's that historic. Yeah, almost the logo's beautiful. It's right there. It's it kind of reminds me of the All Star, whatever Buffalo. Yeah, I agree. Buffalo. Does it say Buffalo down on the bottom? Just Buffalo on the bottom. Yeah. Garbage. Get rid of that. Yeah. But the Anaheim one's not even worth mentioning. Like if I thought <laughs> Phoenix was bad, the Anaheim one is. I. I can't, I have no words for it. It's disgusting. If you can't see that at home, it's a duck. Uh, it looks like he's like in the Arctic and he's just jumping out of the ice with a, a, a cartoonish hockey stick and there's no color to his gloves or he, he, it's just awful. It's for sure. It's based on, I think the Anaheim Mighty Ducks movie, but I don't even, I thought I nothing thought in the Mighty Ducks movie has a duck jumping out of the ice. <laughs> this is one of those things you walk past Walmart yeah. in, in California and you're like, the hell is that? And you're like, Oh, and you're like, Oh, who would wear this? You're like, Oh, it's, it's for, it's designed for three and four year olds. Like I get it. You know, <laughs> I know but, who wouldn't wear it. Oh, <laughs> you and I, God. yeah, that, unreal. Like it is, <laughs> it's a travesty that's even in the same cat in the conversation. Like Adidas, Adidas has to have somebody, strong enough on their panel to say, nope, not going to do that because it ruins the whole line. Anyway. Well, they, you know what? They could have, they had an opportunity to go, uh, Paul Korea, Timu Solani, that era, you know, when they made it to the cup and uh, they had Jiguer and Nets, that was a, that was a cup run. They could have gone purple with that logo. 2007, but they, they beat Ottawa in 2007. Right? That's they, that Mighty Duck style. That's whatever. Yeah. Go back to that. Nah. Don't go back to that. Let me know what that is. That looks like uh, Howard the Duck video like one of those movies where anyway just That's brutal pretty yeah. bad um i <laughs> i believe and do you have your did you have, make a list or did you were we just going no, i was just gonna i only have time to put so many pictures together i was gonna i did like the one that you didn't have was the uh i think it was the minnesota wild yeah i did like that one because it had the old like the North Star green and yellow yeah. and stuff like that and I, I did i did appreciate that one the Oilers too. I mean, there was a couple that looked that Oilers would didn't have been do too much. One. Yeah, it looked nice. But uh, I, Brock, I threw in one more, one more quick headline that, I, that we didn't have on the original show plan. I just wanted to. This came across my uh, my my view this uh, this afternoon, and I wanted to talk to you about it. Worst trade, and we don't have to, to go into detail yeah. with it. worst trade. <clears throat> Barkley from the Sixers to the Suns. And I'll tell you who they got. This so the Barkley went to the Suns, and in return, the Sixers got Jeff Hornacek for a season and a half. Tim Perry, who is an athletic but big stiff uh, power forward, and Andrew Clubber Lang, <laughs> who was just a journeyman center. Clubber that's, Lang is that not a Rocky character. Yeah, that's that is all they got in return. No draft picks, no nothing. Just three for one. There's that trade. Is was that one bad or was this one worse? Vince Carter to the New Jersey Nets. For Aaron Williams, um, uh, Eric Williams, so the Williams, they're not brothers, just happen to have the same last name. Alonzo Mourning, who said, if you trade me, I'm not reporting, and he didn't. Right. And uh, two first-round picks that ended up being Charlie Villanueva and Joey Graham. Worst trade. I think the Barkley trade's worse. So I would agree, except that, you know, two after the, the Hornacek disappeared, I, they got Iverson. So they weren't bad for as long. I found that the... Uh, did the they Vince, get Iverson because of the trade? No, no. There no nothing to do with Iverson going there that yeah. was responsible for Barkley being traded or part yeah. of it. Okay, yeah. so don't bring it up. doesn't matter. 
Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> I, I'm going to go Carter only because, you know, from 05, 06, 07, 08, they really, they weren't very good for a very long time. They had a, a brief window with Garbajosa and uh, Bargnani was a rookie. Bosch, TJ Ford was their point guard. They had a brief Bosch. run where they made the playoffs, but, you know, I felt he, he really turned the, the, the franchise upside down with that deal. And uh, boy, I can't even talk about it. It gets me so upset to, to think that they had McGrady and Carter and they could have had those guys for a couple for of years. A long time. And they could have pushed each other. I mean, the book on Carter was that he didn't, he didn't take care of his body. He became injury prone by 2003, 2004. His body had changed physically. And when he got dealt to the Nets, he wasn't the same guy. But had he had McGrady to keep him there honest and push him to be better and I mean, they would have they would have won a championship, Rock. Wasn't it the whole pushing? What didn't somebody they pushed Carter out or McGrady out? Like, wasn't it some sort of no. conflict that got them out? No. Well, uh, McGrady wanted to be the man, so yeah, okay. and to this so, to this day, McGrady regrets every second of that decision. He talks about it openly, yeah. like I made I made a huge mistake. Carter was just um, I think Carter did himself in when he was at a press conference of practice, and they said. Uh, they, I think they asked him, why don't you dunk anymore? And he said, because I don't want to. And then it sort of it just went downhill from there. And, you know, it was like, like then the follow-up question was, well, why? You, you get to the basket when you when you dunk. And he's like, well, I could I could do a layup and get to the basket too. So the whole, I mean, he just he just soured a bunch of people. And I, I'm a Vince, Vince Carter he, fan. He was probably just he said, I don't want to dunk because it's going to give me a longer career. And then he ended up playing for like 40 years. <laughs> he just retired. This was right? his last year. Yeah, it's crazy. So, but to think about the prospect of what the Raptors could have been, it just breaks my heart. But anyway, that's the end of headlines. Uh, we don't really have an ending song to that. We just sort of, we don't. you know, but uh, we're cruising along here. Uh, we're going to move to the NFL. I think we're going to move to the NFL now. Is that one louder? I did not expect that. That's, it's a new one. like it. I like it. Not bad. I think it's a little loud. I don't know how we play with that. So I apologize if people are listening going, what the hell was that? No, that was great. No, it wasn't that loud. All right. All right. Yeah, lovely. Our buddy Antonio Brown's back in the news. Our buddy. Your so, buddy. So um, there have been news reports that he he was gotten a little bit of hot water before uh, signing with Tampa Bay. Details weren't really out. Then there were some sketchy details that he threw a bike at a security officer's camera in a gated community. <laughs> it's a whole thing's backwards. But you can't even script it any. No. Like he threw a bike at a security guard's camera. What? Like, but it's funny, not funny now because now the NFL is investigating and he's already on like his last, I'm sure he's on his last, uh, his last chance. Right. I can't imagine he has many more, but you know, there's got Martavis Bryant is out of the league. Uh, there's guys that are notoriously like troublemakers out of the league. It's concerning for the Bucks because he had a good game. Yeah, I think he had seven catches for a hundred plus yards in the last game. He, you know, I think Brady and him were going to be a dynamic duel for the rest of the season. This will be the kind of their preseason leading up to uh, the playoffs. And now what? You know, now he's a distraction again. So, your thoughts on the Bucks signing Bra- uh, um, Brown and this whole fiasco? Like, is are you surprised? Yeah, clearly I'm surprised. No. <laughs> Bound to happen. The fact that it happened before he went to Tampa Bay and now that's coming out, that's that surprises me. Like, where was I feel like Tom Brady's like, dude, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> yeah, you left that out in the uh, yeah. in the lease it's, agreement. <laughs> yeah, right. 
you, anyway, I'm going to need you to move out of the room next to my six-year-old. You're going to pack your stuff and you're going to get out. But Don't touch my bike. Don't, don't touch my bike. That, you threw my bike at it? Anyway. <laughs> That surprises me, but otherwise it doesn't. And it's just, it's who he is. He's got problems. You've addressed it. You've said it. He needs to get actual help. And I don't think he ever actually has gotten professional mental help. And until that happens, it's not going to, it's not going to change him. And even then he's getting up there in age now too. So that window is old. It's closed. You know what I mean? That window is essentially closed. If he gets kicked out or something now, I mean, the window should have been shut a while back, but Tom Brady has a, a way of, making things happen sure um, you know on and off the field so uh but from a bucks perspective you cut ties with them and move on they were doing fine without them they have a ton of weapons as it is antonio brown was just an extra piece of luxury that they had sure if they got him to do it so from their their aspect their their standpoint it was it should have been a, a low risk on their behalf because it's it's not their success is not dictated on on antonio brown and i feel like they might even be better um when you don't have guys like that where it's like brady's trying to pump him the ball and eventually they would have you know defense would figure that a little bit take him away you know evans then you, you got to work with the guys you have anyway so brady should be able to still do be effective with the guys he has but you got to get rid of it well, it's been a fun. It's been a funny time for them because they, you know, Godwin hasn't been healthy. Uh, Evans yep. looks like he's playing on one leg, but he's still he's still performing and producing. And then you've got Scotty Miller. I think Brady's made a star out of Scotty Miller, the, the little slot receiver. We haven't seen much from Gronk. He, he's a step slower. He looks like he, you know, it looks like the year off didn't help him. And I thought it was going to help him. I thought he'd be a little bit quicker. He looks slow. I think the the league has figured him out, kind of, sort of, if that's even possible. Uh, they have Cameron Brait, uh, but I think, you know, I really Anthony thought... Anthony O'Claire, bud, scored yeah. a touchdown last week, didn't he? Well, they scored 46. They put 46. Yeah, Laval, Canadian yeah. kid. Uh, look, I, I did think Brown could help. I mean, he's he's healthy, and, you know, he's still explosive. He's still quick, great hands. I thought, okay, if he if he's, you know, keeps his nose clean... This is a, he is, it's an embarrassment of riches for sure. But I mean, they're not, they're injured. They're injured. Like Godwin is not fully healthy and Evans is not fully healthy. Those are their two primary receivers. So you throw Brown in there. I mean, I thought it was a great pickup. I thought it was smart. You know, Brady will keep him accountable. If he gets a loose cannon on the sidelines, Arian's not going to put up with him. If there's going to be a coach that's going to say, you know what, there's a door other than Mike Singletary, it'll be Arian. So yeah, but Bruce also looks. Uh, completely lost sometimes on the sidelines. He, he doesn't look like the same Bruce Arians from before where he would get mad and stuff. He literally has this expression on his face where it's almost like, it's like he's not calling the plays or, or has any control. And he's just kind of like watching Brady take over. And he, anyway, it's really weird because again, we know him as being a, uh, not a hothead, but vocal and, and really into the game and, and gets fired up every once in a while. And they, yeah. they just, they pan the camera to him and he's got this blank look on his face sometimes. And I'm just like, what's happening? Like, it just doesn't seem right. Uh, we've so said I don't know if he's there to stand up. Well, we've said this on our podcast, the, the last five episodes, it's a, it's an awkward fit. The fit, they're con- conflicting, clashing styles. I'm talking about Brady and Arians and the offense that Brady came from to Arians, you know, a seven-step drop and send them all downfield. Like Brady did not do that in New England. It was like hitch passes and runs and, you know, a run to the line, catch him off guard, handoff. Like it was quick play. It was quick adjustments to the defense. Arians isn't like that. 
Aaron's like, you know what? We're going to huddle <laughs> and we're going to go downfield. And that's what we do. So a complete contrasting style. We've seen Brady have a game where he throws for 300 yards and four TDs. And we've seen him, you know, crap the bed. So he's not used to it yet. We're going to see how this pans out by the end of the year. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if Brady's a one and done in Tampa. Just saying. You heard it here first. Yeah. One and done in Tampa. Uh, we were talking trades. Uh, this this uh, Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins deal is looking more lopsided by the week. And I don't know what that, I know Bill O'Brien pulled the trigger on this deal. And I know that there was some animosity in the, in the room. And, but this trade is looking to be like one of the most lopsided deals. I mean, not even in, not even in football history, but maybe in sports history, David Johnson is on the IR yet again. I think he hasn't had a healthy season in, in about three or four years. And Hopkins is is d- dominating the league. He, he had that last second hail mary catch. Uh, does this set the Texans back a lot? Like what what are they do? What do they do? I mean, they're receiving. They got Randall Cobb. I think they brought in Cobb and they brought in uh, Brandon Cooks. But Cobb, they're not Cooks Fuller. They have but, those, but they were also shopping Cooks and Fuller around at trade deadline. Nobody picked up. I'm surprised Green Bay didn't. But that just shows that their mindset is not for the now it's for the future. So I don't know if, again, like you said, there were off field things that came into play from a Hopkins. So regardless of the trade and you say, well, it's really lopsided. If Houston had kept Hopkins, Hopkins is not producing the way he's producing right now in Arizona, because you have a guy who doesn't want to play. And when you have that, it doesn't matter how much talent you have. If you don't want to be there and don't want to be, um, you know, putting the effort forward for a team that it's just not going to be there. So you cut your losses and you take whatever you can get. So the fact that they got uh, a David Johnson in return, you know, for a guy who they would have lost for nothing and got nothing in return shortly thereafter, you know, whatever it is, what it is. I don't think it's the, I mean, you know, this season is showing the Hopkins is arguably the best receiver in the game right now. Yeah. And David Johnson is not playing. So from that production standpoint, yeah, it's lopsided like crazy. But to say it's the the worst trade like in sports history or something, I don't think we're even close to that. We, we forget Texans were up 21 nothing on the Chiefs in the playoffs last year. I mean, this was a good football team. And now they're a bad football team. <laughs> they, I've never seen a team flip so so bad in one offseason. And, you know, I it, it, there's only really one thing to look at in terms of what their losses uh, player-wise, player personnel-wise, and it's Hopkins. So, like, I mean, I can't believe... And some guys on defense. I think, honestly, I think Houston sort of overplayed their abilities last year. And that's probably sure. what it is. And now they're kind of coming down to reality in terms of their ability and what they they could put on the field but losing a guy like hopkins and watson loves to go deep and have those deep threats and um you know that that does affect it and you take a quarterback's number one guy you take Devontae adams from aaron Rodgers. it may take a little bit for him now Rodgers is way better than watson in my opinion and he'll make a start of anybody but yeah that's his his safety blanket he's going to take a little while to find somebody else who's going to be that guy yeah 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 no doubt and i like uh, you you brought it up like it's there was an issue in the room and you know he they're going to lose him for nothing so you know it's good that they got David Johnson but David Johnson is really like he's been injury prone and 
you know, the running game, you know, as you know, is just not as valued as it used to be in the NFL. So, so just anyway, I, not that I care because I'm not a Texans fan at all, uh, but I just so shocking to see a team go 21 up on the road to the eventual Super Bowl champs and then fall so flat on their butts the year later. It just, uh, you don't see that very often, but speaking of fall on your butts, I, I wanted to mention this before we move on to some of our picks for this week. Cause we're getting close to the, uh, we're doing okay for time. Um, worst trades in NFL history. And we talked about this trade being, it has to be up there for me, but um, I picked one and I had, I had a couple in mind, but really one that stands out for me has got to be the time that Mike Ditka traded the entire saints draft class. So all their picks in 1999, plus their first and their third in 2000, just to be able to draft five Ricky overall Williams. and pick Ricky Williams. That, can you imagine a team doing that now? That was only 20 years ago, right? We're not talking like uh, in, the, in the 70s. or This was like in the 2000. Can you imagine a team now pulling the trigger on a blue chip can't miss prospect by dealing their entire draft? That's a lot. I mean, Ricky Williams in college was, you know, like even when, the, when Ditka pulled it, Nobody was really like, wow, he's nuts. It was Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams <laughs> yeah. was like, I remember using Ricky Williams in the PlayStation game, the college game, and he was unstoppable. Like, yeah, was he just, was, yeah. For guys that I watched that weren't in the SEC or weren't Florida fans, Ricky Williams was right up there. <laughs> he, he was, was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. And I think, you know, the, the poor guy had a phobia. So he used to wear his helmet for interviews all the time. And, uh, you know, that took him a while to, to get over that and get over the media and all the, all the attention he got. And then, you know, he's, he went and uh, retired and went to discover himself. And he ended up having a pretty long career. He was good in Miami. Mm-hmm. That second rendition of Ricky in Miami, you know, he was excellent. He was productive. He had a couple, he had a three or four years of over a thousand yards rushing. So, you know, he ended up doing well. But the first couple of years in New Orleans, it was looking like a real bust. Did you have, did you have a, a, a trade, an all-time terrible trade? I know you've mentioned the Herschel Walker trade a few times. But. Yeah, the Herschel, because again, sheer numbers that were done. But, you know, trades like, you know, the Chargers trading up f- literally from number three to number two, giving up two first rounds, a uh, second round, and two players to get Ryan Leaf, who obviously was a huge bust. Uh, the Bears trading up to take Trubinsky yeah. and basically take him before Mahomes or a Watson. Oh, okay, dear. that's not a Sorry, great Matt. trade. Sorry, Matt Pudvey. Uh, the Raiders trading uh, Moss to New England for a fourth round pick. Randy Moss, in my mind, is arguably the best receiver of all time. So every time those those oh, yeah. those those uh, things come out to say grab a quarterback, grab a running back, grab a receiver, I work from the receiver out. Moss is my guy. Yeah. Like anyway, fourth round pick for Randy Moss, and then uh, you know, other than that, like outside of sports, it's the Gretzky trade. You know, and, and the more I looked because. I was young at the time, but they had just won two days prior to him being traded. They won the cup in 88, two days or no, it's actually two hours after winning the 88 is when he was actually traded. Not two days, two hours after they won the cup in 1988, Wayne Gretzky was traded to LA. Now they did send a couple players back or whatever, but it was for $15 million, which equates to about 33 million today. And it was basically, uh, what's his name? Pocklington, Peter Pocklington, was trying to needed money. He needed money because of yeah. other businesses that sort of tanked on him. 
Yeah. And I was like, what is like, this guy is insane Crazy. when you think about it now from an overall league perspective, obviously it was great that Gretzky went south. Sure. But then I also, from an Ottawa center standpoint, I think, yeah, Melnick would do that exact same thing if it was <laughs> if he had the chance. If the Sens yeah. had won the cup and he could sell somebody to offset some of his other uh, ventures that weren't going well or whatever, he'd have done it in a heartbeat. So for sure. Uh, anyway, that's obviously one of the worst trades uh, in history. But I'd have yeah. to look back and uh, if we, I'll have next or on our next show, I'll ha- I'll pick my worst trade in all sports. Um, that was a good, uh, that's up there for me as well. But, uh, in pure football, I have the Ricky Williams, but it, for sure in all of sports, there've been some worse trades. So I'll, I'll have to do some research and come up with mine. Um, <clears throat> that great, you know, the Oilers won the cup that year. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. In 88, they won the cup. No, they won, but they won oh, the cup. The year yeah, after after they traded him. He got traded. Yep. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was remarkable. I, I, well, Messier was still on the team and that proved to me How that Messier is worth. Was. Yeah. For, oh, for sure. And they, you know, they received, they got back a couple of, uh, uh, already like roster players. Jimmy Carson, I think, was one of those guys they picked up. And but uh, but by no means were they the same team. Bill Ranford was in Nets. Grant Fear had moved on. So wow, that's well, that that trade. I reminded me that trade how significant that trade was. I cried. I'm, I'm not even. I wasn't even an Oilers fan, but I'm like, this, this is our Canadian boy. Canada, this is our guy. Canada cried when yeah. that happened. Like it was news everywhere. And you know who really took note of Messier's stardom after when he won that cup that year? Yeah. Lay's potato chips because he still does commercials. Is that right? To this day, I still see him on TV <laughs> doing Lay's commercials. And I got kid like my son's like, who's hey, that? Lay's, we're available if you guys are needed somebody else. Wayne's busy. Okay. <sighs> Love of God. The last thing I need is to be sponsored by a potato <laughs> chip company. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, we're running out of NFL time, but quickly, um, some notable AFC games from last week. Uh, I never thought I'd be saying this, but the Dolphins and Chargers game was a biggie. Chargers lose a tight one again. God, two and seven. Anthony Lynn's going to be the scapegoat, but they've been in every single game. Dolphins are for real. Six and three now. Uh, look out, Buffalo. Look out, New England. That that suddenly the AFC East is a uh, wow. It is awesome. Minus the Jets. Steelers beat the Be- Steelers. Crushed the Bengals. Uh, it wasn't even close. Uh, Cincinnati has some talent. AJ Green does not look like he wants to play football for Cincinnati. He's uh, he is not motivated at all, but T. Higgins is the real deal. Right. That guy is good. Wide receiver for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Out of Clemson, yep. Burrow looked nice, but he was under pressure, right? He was under a lot of pressure, and, you know, the Steelers know how to bring it. Uh, and I thought the Patriots beating the Ravens, um, that's a big deal. Weather a big was win very, for them. The weather was really bad in that game, too. But very, very similar styles, right? They play very similar styles. They run the ball and they they play defense. And I, that I shocked me. I mean, that was a that's a huge win. Now the Ravens are six and three, three games back of Pittsburgh in the North. I mean, with with six games to uh, seven games to go. Hey, you know, I, I was actually. It took me two days to realize the Patriots actually won the game because I remember my brother had. Ravens by seven. So when I woke up in the morning, I checked the score and I saw 23, 17. I was like, Oh, that's got a sting. And I thought yeah. it was like half a point. And then I it wasn't until that we were talking and getting ready for the show that I was like, hold on a second. I went back. And I'm like, oh, the Patriots actually won the game. I thought the Ravens only won by six. And even that I thought was uh, surprising. Oh, totally wild. Do you have any, any NFC notables? Well, 
NFC, AFC, notable Bills cards game. If anybody watched that game, we talked about Hopkins being the best receiver in the in the league right now. But I yeah. got to say that game was a lot of fun to watch, a lot of back and forth. Two quarterbacks, very mobile uh, and up and comers. And Josh Allen drove him down the field. Real nice catch by by Diggs in the end zone to yeah. go up with forty seconds left. And of course, it takes a, a hail mary, fifty uh, yard pass by by Murray to get Hopkins to catch a ball through uh, between three defenders that are all within like a yard of them uh, come down with the ball and end up winning the game 32 30. But overall I thought the game was, was very good on both sides. Um, and I, I question, I would ask you, but we don't have a lot of time right now, but is who's the best receiver for the bills? Would you say Diggs or Beasley? Well, cons- consistent, I'd say Beasley. But Beasley's over- amazing. Beasley's amazing. But overall, I'd have to say Diggs because he's got the downfield uh, breakaway speed. And, you know, he, he can make a five-yard uh, slant into a touchdown really quick. That's why that's what, you know, differentiates B- uh, Diggs from Beasley for me is he could turn a slant into a touchdown, whereas Beasley can turn a slant into a first down. So that's my that's the difference between those two guys for me. But yeah, He's been very impressive to me this year, Beasley, for what he's done. The other game I'm going to talk about real quick, just the Bears and Vikings. I mean, the Bears have no offense. Foles went 106 with an interception. Cordell Patterson is their number one rusher. He went 12 for 30. Uh, I mean, no, I, there's nothing. There's nothing there. Their, their only touchdown came with Patterson returning a kickoff return for a touchdown. You know, Cousins threw up 292, two touchdowns. Cook was 30 for 96. Jefferson, you talk about another guy like Higgins, this rookie receiving cores that came out this year in those first two rounds are very good. And Justin Jefferson is no, no slouch. Eight for 135. You know, Thielen got four for 43, but he got the two, the two scores. But Jefferson is the main guy there in Minnesota moving forward, too. But oh, he, he looked good. Poor Awful. Bears. And the other notable is that the <laughs> Breeze got hurt last week. So, um, it's Jameis time, be, baby. Is it Jameis or is it Taysom Hill? Who knows? It's Jameis. It's Jameis. T- Taysom Hill. I'm. I'm. I, he's a good. Uh, what do you call those uh, Swiss Army knife guys? But to put him under center completely, nah. I. He's going to stay where he where he is, and it's Jameis. Jameis threw for five thousand yards last year, so that's the guy's got talent. So you know who's happy about that? Alvin Kamara. Yes, sir. Because Taysom Hill doesn't hand in the ball ever. Nope. And yes, I had him in fantasy, so it was really annoying to watch these <laughs> option plays where Kamara had huge lanes and, and wasn't able to get the ball. Anyway. Okay, I just want to say one more thing about the NFL. Uh, the NFC East is terrible. I'd say the Giants, though, are the only team that's really made sort of marginal improvement week to week. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has regressed. A question for us to think about for next week, and maybe our our listeners can pipe in if they want to think about this, and you may, maybe let me know what you think. If a team in the NFC East finishes with a, a record that's worse than 500 and they win the division, but there's a team uh, in another division that has a 500 or better record that's missing the playoffs, should they replace the NFC East team? If... If there's an NFC East team that finishes with a below uh, a 500 record, but there's no other team that has a better record than them, then they move on. Obviously, the winner of the division. But in my eyes, there's no way a team that that could finish six and ten or seven and nine should be playing, should be hosting a playoff game, let alone making the playoffs, while a ten and six team sits at home. So it's a whole crossover, like CFL crossover sort of style. It's you know, do you have your third place person have more points than? You know, the other team's second place, and you say, okay, well, they get in because they have a better 
But if you finish 500 or better, if you eight and eight, then all, then all the rules go out the window. You won your division, you're eight and eight. But if you're five, if you're less than 500, then you're susceptible susceptible to losing your your playoff spot if you win a division uh, with a record under 500. Okay, so, so that's the stipulation. The yeah. 500 is that yeah. in college you got six games and win to to get into a bowl game. You yeah. say you got to be at least 500. Ah, yeah, I I gotta appreciate. It. If you have a losing yeah. record, you have no business being in the playoffs. Exactly. So yeah, I would be for that. If you win a division at eight and eight, congratulations. You move on no matter what. So food for thought. Let, let us know what you think. We have a couple of pages, Facebook page and all that good stuff. But uh, before we get into our quick last segment, because it looks like we've got about five minutes yeah, here. We may need to uh, wrap her up. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, I just w- have a quick word from our sponsor, Mike Pignat. If you could just uh, hook us up here with uh, just waiting for it. See a wake sponsor. No. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Looking good. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Ken Trip Real Estate. Looking to invest in real estate and don't know where to start? Ken is an experienced investor and can show you the way. Message Ken Trip Real Estate on Instagram. That's at Ken Trip Real Estate on Instagram. And as you saw, his website was at kentrip.com. Love you, Ken. And uh, maybe next episode because. Kenny's going to be sponsoring us for the month. So again, shout out to Ken. Appreciate that. Um, he's also really into his Movember and he's got a couple of picks there of his sure. Movember progress. So yeah. we need to throw that up on the screen here and there just to make sure that people know that, you know, he's a real guy and he, yeah. and he, he likes his charities and he, he does whatever <laughs> it takes for, uh, to raise some money. So, uh, anyway, Thanks, he took Kenny. off the handlebars, and now he's just got the, the mustache. So that was his progression. He said, <laughs> once it gets thick enough on the upper lip, I'm going to take off the handlebars. So good for him. Um, last segment, I mean, there's some notable, notable games, NFL games this week. we got Titans-Ravens as a biggie, Packers-Colts, Rams-Bucks, Chiefs-Raiders, Saints-Falcons, Cards-Seahawks. Cards-Seahawks um, Thursday. It's going to be a good game. That's going to be a huge game. Russell yeah. Wilson has had two games that are very much subpar, and he's almost played himself out of the MVP conversation, yeah. I think, in my opinion. Uh, so let's see if he can bounce back in, in a big uh, conference game. A couple of NBA, NBA trades coming my way. There, actually, there's some Toronto James Harden talk just as we were going on the air. I doubt no. that'll go through, but Please that's no. – uh, yeah, that I know. It's it's that seems to be the consensus. Some notable trades up to now. Though, we're talking NBA just to finish off here. Notable trades. The trade de- uh, trading season started yesterday. Um, the Lakers picked up um, Dennis Schrader, and they traded uh, their sharpshooter Danny Green and their first round pick for him. A backup point guard, good pick, good uh, good choice. <clears throat> what else have we got here? Sorry, these are coming up hot and hot and heavy here. Uh, the Suns acquired Chris Paul. Maybe the best point guard in the NBA in exchange for Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre Jr. So clearly the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder are rebuilding again. Uh, Trailblazers re- picked up uh, Robert Covington for Trevor Reese and a couple of first-round picks. Covington is a real deal. The guy can defend, guy can shoot threes. So the Blazers, who were a tough out last year in the playoffs, just got a little bit better. So look out, and hopefully they pick up Melo. Melo deserves another chance. Um the Bucks made a lot of noise today. They picked up Drew Holiday in exchange for uh, uh, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and three first-round picks. Um, Drew Holiday is a good player. I thought that was a lot to give up for him. But the Bucks are clearly telling Giannis, please resign. We're doing all we can. Uh, they also picked up Brett Brogdon, Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Kings, sharpshooter from the Kings, in exchange for DJ Wilson and uh, 
a kid with the last name DiVincenzo, which reminds me of that Italian place on Preston, but uh, a good, good shooter. So the, definitely the Bucks are loading up and they're trying to send a message to their all-star, their superstar, but we'll see what happens. Uh, that's all we got right now for the NBA. The draft is tomorrow. Uh, LaMelo Ball is a projected first-round pick. We'll get into that. We'll actually discuss the draft next week and who gets picked and who doesn't. But for now, signing off. Run out. A little Foxy Brown. I'll Show be. number one. We got a party a party overlay somewhere there, don't we? There we go. <laughs> guys, thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Good night.